I'm excited about that series. We are going to uh, be doing that in Verge as well. So it's going to be church-wide, everybody on the same page, which will be awesome. Would you uh, pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just give you this time. Uh, I pray, Lord, that uh, this is not about me, but it's all about you. And uh, so, Lord, I just ask that uh, you will speak through me. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when you were kids, uh, before you started to race, you would go on your mark, get set. Very good. You are always the most participating service. And you can tell uh, 1045 I said that. But anyway, if you haven't noticed, bracelets are back. And um, not only are teenagers wearing, but adults are wearing them as well. And when I took the, uh, our students up to Silver Birch Ranch, some of the girls in the van were making bracelets. And uh, they said, hey, do you want a bracelet? And I said, sure, I'll take a bracelet. So they made me a bracelet. And then they said, hey, do you want an anklet? And I said, sure, I'll take an anklet. And so I'm, uh, you can't see the anklet, but yeah, I got one of those on as well. Now, when I was at Silver Birch, I was actually talking to one of the leaders there, and we were having this conversation talking about Jesus, and he said, one of the things I've done for my youth group is I've made bracelets for them, and uh, he gave me one of them, and it says, Jesus changes everything. So, yeah, absolutely, amen. Now, a number of years ago, with, uh, there was a craze within the Christian community for a bracelet that said WWJD. And probably many of you wore those at some point in time. It meant to remind us to be more like Jesus in our daily actions. How, how would we be like Jesus in our daily actions? How, in our language, how would we strive to be like Jesus? Not only not using profanity, but how we talk to other people, how we treat other people. How did we be like Jesus when we had those People in our lives that we just didn't want to be around. How were we like Jesus in those moments? And it reminded us of that. Now, the last few weeks, we've had ministry fair out in the commons. And you've had a chance to see the different ministries that happen at Bethel Cedar Lake. And possibly sign up for a small group or get involved in a men's or women's ministry but there are also options within those ministries on where you could serve. Now, I don't know, know if you noticed that the pandemic has brought about shortages. And Monday, I went to Sam's Club, and I wanted to buy candy for the candy shop for Verge. It ruined my whole Monday. They were out of Skittles. Seriously. Why are we not making Skittles? And, and so I thought, well, maybe it's just Sam's Club. So I went to Walmart. They were out of Skittles. And, and I stopped at Walgreens, and they were out of Skittles. I'm going, what is going on? But they, there is a shortage of so many things. And, and the truth is, the church is no different. We were forced to retreat to home and to watch services online. And there was no longer a need for people to serve in the capacities that they did before. And that led me to this passage in John, and it's John 13, verse 12. If you would stand while we read the Word of God. Now understand at this point, Jesus has just finished washing the feet of the disciples. 
And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You can have a seat. So when I go back to my antiquated WWJD bracelet, I think we need to ask this question. What would Jesus do in the terms of serving? He asks this question, do you understand what I have done? He says this to the disciples. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's. Do you understand what I've done? I washed your feet, now you need to wash others. He calls himself teacher and Lord, and he doesn't do that to hold that over them or put them down in some way, but to show that he is their teacher and Lord, that he is in a leadership role, and because of this leadership role, Jesus is setting the example to his disciples. But yet he's done a humble service for them. He was meeting their needs in a self-sacrificial way. It was an act of love to them, and he was setting an example of both humility and servanthood when he did this. And this happens in our own lives when we serve. Jesus' example of washing the feet of the disciples is an ultimate example of serving. When we think about the time period that Jesus was in, and their feet were nasty. It was the ultimate act of serving them. So the question comes, where does our serving start? And what I hear many times, I'm not sure where God wants me to serve. Well, okay. But too many times, I hear that repeatedly from the same person. I don't know where God wants me to serve. And we start to use this as a crutch. I'm not sure where God wants, I'm not sure where God wants, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where God wants me to serve, and we never end up serving. So on your mark, or get ready, it starts in your mind. A renewed mind is essential. If we are going to think like Christ, our minds need to operate on a different level than the world's. The world says, I, me, mine. It's all about me. What's in it for me? A few weeks ago, they had the game Field of Dreams. I'm sure a lot of you watched it. The, one of the greatest movies of all time. But in that movie, Ray Kinsella looks at the ghost Shoeless Joe Jackson. And he looks at him and he says, what's in it for me? And, and the world does that. They say, what's in it for me? And Paul, in his letter to the Romans, pleads with the Romans in chapter 12. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not be all about yourself, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't let the world squeeze you into its way of thinking. 
We have been in a state of restrictions and we have complained about the restrictions, but yet we have become very comfortable with the restrictions. It's easier for us to watch a video on Sunday morning and stay in our pajamas and eat our cornflakes on the couch than it is to get dressed and come here. It's easier to walk in and out of the doors because of the restrictions of COVID than it is to stop and serve. It's easier to tell someone, I will pray for you, than to stop and say, let's pray. And what this thinking causes is this. It is a very subtle resistance to the voice of God. We start to build a mental fortress to God's will. And when that happens, we are no different than the world. Our mind many times dictates our actions. You think it, you do it. We no longer strive to be like Jesus. We're no longer sensitive to God's word. And we may look good and we may talk good, but our actions don't follow what we say and how we look. Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ is no longer a dwelling thought in our mind. But God says, I have a way. His divine power, we can have a renewal of our mind. And servants with a renewed mind have a perspective on life and they live life differently and it's altogether unique from the way the world lives. Because we are allowing God to empower us. I read a story years ago. It was about a little boy named Chad. He was in the first grade. And Chad, his friends in the first grade, teamed him uh, as the odd fellow. He was the one that nobody wanted to be around. He was the one that was made fun of all the time. Uh, And he was this happy-go-lucky guy. And Valentine's Day came around. And he said, Mom... I need Valentines for my Valentine for my class. And he, I need 36 because there's 36 kids in my class. And so mom went to the store and bought him the, the Valentines. And he, he, each one in his own first grade way, writes all these Valentines out. And on Valentine's Day, he goes to school. He's so happy. But moms know. And mom just knew that the kids made fun of him. And he probably wasn't going to get one valentine. So she thought, I will make him his favorite cookies when he comes home because I know he's going to be disappointed. And Chad got off the bus and the pack of kids were all there. And Chad was following behind him as always. And man, he's just happy. And he's trying to talk to him. Of course, they didn't talk to him. And he's following behind him. He's just happy. And he walks in the door and his mom said, how did Valentine's Day go? Did you get any Valentines? And he looked at his mom and he said, I did not miss a kid. Every kid in my class got a Valentine from me. It wasn't about him. It was about them. And that's what we are called to do. But the thought of being a servant goes against our DNA. We don't really want to be known as the lowly servant. We want to be the ones who are in control. But when we are serving, I want to tell you, you actually play the role of a difference maker. And what we see in the world today on social media is the social media influencers that have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers. And what happens is 
because you have all these followers, companies will actually pay you to advertise their product on your site. And so they influence the products that people buy. When serving, you have an influence to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And the servant as a difference maker, on your mark, get set. What possible difference could a servant of Jesus have on a hostile world? When we see what's going on in Afghanistan, we see the hostility there. When we see what has happened in our cities over the last year and a half, of the shootings and the the murders that happen, when we see the racial divide in our country, when we see the political divide in our country, and, and it's a hostile world, what difference could someone who follows Jesus make? How much clout do the poor in spirit have? How much clout do the gentle, the merciful, the pure in heart, or even the peacemakers have in this world? Those who serve Jesus will always, always be in the minority. But Jesus, the ultimate servant, painted the picture. And he never promised us any kind of rose garden or flower garden or whatever you want. The world is not going to be our friend. But without us serving in the world, they will soon realize our absence, even though they don't want to admit it. There will be something missing. And in the book of Philippians, it tells us this, that we live in a crooked and depraved generation. But Paul goes also on to tell the Philippians this, we should shine like stars in the universe in this crooked and depraved generation. And Jesus in Matthew says this, he says, you are the salt and the light of the earth. And you go, good. But the next thing he says is if your salt has lost flavor, you are worthless. That's a wake-up call. So how do we make a difference when we play the role of a servant? I want to tell you something. It's really simple. Get involved. It's not hard. At uh, uh, Verge, we have crews, and it's a fancy name. It's a cool name to draw kids in. You want to be part of the crew? Um, But it's small groups, okay? Sixth grade girls are with sixth grade girls, and in that group is an adult leader. Um, Sixth grade boys, sixth grade boys hang out with each other with an adult leader. And what they do is they spend time afterwards, um, you know, talking about life, talking about the lesson, but they also take them out and do things with them. So we have crew leaders for every one of them. And, And these are adults who have stepped up to serve to love on these students in a Christ-like humility. I'm going to tell you something. It happens on a weekly basis uh, where I will greet a student. I'll be at the door and I'll say, hey, how you doing tonight? Good to see you. I know they're happy to see me. I, I, I know that. And, and what they, it happens all the time. And now it's going to happen more often because I mentioned it. But they'll go, where's my crew leader? And you go, you don't want to see me? No, they wanted to see their crew leader. Why? Because their crew leader is pouring into their life, caring about them, and they are making a difference in their life for the kingdom of God. Serving, making a difference. 
One of my crew leaders a number of years ago, uh, she had a student that was not a bad kid in any stretch, stretched it away, but she really strut, uh, struggled to find her way. She, she was like, ah, this is tough. I, I got so much going on, coming to Verge, blah, blah, blah. And this crew leader stayed with her constantly, never given up on her. And, and this student had decided to go to a secular college. And the parents were real, really not really happy about it. Um, and the crew leader took this young lady out to a meal a week before she was supposed to leave for college. And she sat down and had a conversation. And the story is she came home to the parents and said, I have decided to go to a Christian college. That's a week before. So the parents struggle, and they get everything changed off to another Christian college. A difference maker? Yes, let me tell you about the difference it made. At that college, she met her present husband, who is a believer in Jesus Christ, who they are now in a small group, and they now grow in their faith. Is serving for the faint of heart? No, it's not. But does God use the influence uh, us to influence those around us when we are humble and serving? Yes, he does. We are different. We are responding to God's call. We are an example of Jesus. We are influential in the very fact that we don't adapt to the system of this world, that we march to a beat of a different drum, gives us influence in the world around us. And you may not have a uh, a social media following of a million followers. But I want to encourage you, teach a Sunday school class and watch those kids come up to you on a Sunday morning looking for you. Lead a small group and watch how those adults in that small group depend on you to pray for them and to lead them. And, and you say, well, those are just small, such small influences those small influences multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply. This takes change in our thinking. No longer what's in it for me. We become an influencer for Jesus when we are servants that are obedient. The obedience of a servant. Get ready, get set, go. Jesus gave ministry a new beginning. Think about this. In every country in the world, on earth, Jesus has a home. In every country, his birth is celebrated. And in every country on earth, you have a visual reminder of Jesus' death. And I don't know where Napoleon stood on Jesus, but this quote, I think, sums up so much. He says, I tell you that Jesus Christ was no mere man. Between him and whoever else in the world, there is no comparison. Amen. Jesus did not describe himself as a superstar. He did not say, hey, make a, a movie or a play of me someday called Jesus Christ Superstar because that's who I am. No, he didn't. He never said, I am the wise and powerful Oz. He never said that. But in Matthew 11, 28, 29, he says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you 
will find rest for your souls. For I am lowly and gentle in heart. We are never more like Jesus when we fit that description of him. How do those things reveal themselves? It's being obedient to Jesus. When Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, he didn't get up and say, hey guys, uh, I just, uh, you know what I just did? I just demonstrated humility and servanthood. He didn't say that. He did it unannounced. He caught them off guard. And we know that by Peter's reaction, because Peter's going, no, 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 Jesus, don't, no, 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 don't wash my feet. No, well, okay, if you're going to, then wash my whole body. He did it unannounced. There was no fanfare. He just served. Serving with a humble heart goes unannounced. Like the people right now that sit in the nursery and rock the babies. You don't know their names. But I will tell you something. If you are a parent in here that has a child in there, you right now are blessed because of them. Serving is not a sign of inner weakness, but instead incredible strength. And if you live in the, delu in the delusion that Jesus was weak and spineless, then you have overlooked the cross. His obedience to the cross, our Christ, our Lord and Savior. It was an act of obedience. And in verse 15, our passage says, I have given you the example, now you should do as I have done. He didn't say this. He didn't say, hey guys, I just got done washing your feet, so <laughs> get on these bad boys. No, he didn't say that. He said you should wash one another's feet. The bottom line in John 13 is this. I left you an example that you should do as I do. Be obedient to my directions. Fulfill my commands. Meaning this. We are to serve others. Obedience means personal involvement. And we can't serve at an arm's length. Well, I'm going to serve, but I don't want to get too close. We need to roll up our sleeves and get involved. If you want to go swimming, you have to get in the water. You can't swim without doing that. You can't serve unless you get involved. Are you willing to be obedient and get involved? Yes. You're going to have to sacrifice time. But obedience requires Christ-like unselfishness. You'll need to risk reaching out. Giving up the luxury of taking the pajamas off and leaving the cornflakes on the counter till later. To maybe give up just walking in the doors on a Sunday morning and walking out. But stopping to serve. Stopping to pray. Maybe it means giving up a night of your week. Unselfishness never comes easy, but it can happen 
when we have a renewed mind that only God can do. And obedience results in true blessings. Verse 17, if you know these things, you are blessed. The joy comes when you get involved. Does this mean that you'll never experience sadness in serving? No, a thousand times no. Will you possibly have your hearts ripped out? Yeah, and you're going, why would I want to serve? Because there's joy in all of that. Because you're making a difference. We must face the the possible consequences of serving. Jesus did. The model of obedience finished his earthly life as a corpse on the cross. Serving. The ultimate servant making the ultimate sacrifices for your sins and mine. And when we go back, when we go back to that WWJD bracelet, it's more than just talking right. It's more than just acting right. It's actually exampling Jesus in all that we do. Having the mind of Christ, to be obedient to Christ, being used by Christ to make a difference in this world. The last three weeks, we have had a ministry fair out here, highlighting the different ministries. Do not use age to say, I can't serve. Because in the last month, we had a retired couple host a youth event at their house. Yeah. We have a lady in our church that I'm not going to tell you how old she is, but she's been retired for a long, long time. Once a month, she hosts teenagers in her house for a Bible study. Don't tell me you're too old. Because people don't care about their, your age. They care how much you care. And some of you are saying, well, I, I don't fit the mold. I don't look right. You know, kids aren't going to like me in a one hour. No. Don't use it. I don't have the cool enough clothes. They don't care. What they care about is how much you care. And that's reflected on your love for Jesus. And I've heard, I'm not smart, I I don't have enough biblical knowledge. Do you really think that if you're going to do something biblically, that if you get in the Word, God's not going to reveal the knowledge to you that you need? That's not an excuse. There's really no, and if you want to come up to me after words and discuss an excuse for not serving, I will be more than happy to debate that. But I don't see anywhere in Scripture that we need to retire from serving or that there's an excuse from serving God's kingdom. Because Jesus exampled it, we too need to live it and example it. Don't use age, looks, or even knowledge to walk away, to walk in the doors and to walk out the doors, but allow God to use you for his glory in serving. Kids Hope started a number of years ago. And there was a male mentor, and and he met with this little boy. He was, uh, I believe, third grade at the time. And uh, his mentee, well, he was kind of rambunctious. Um, he was undisciplined. And he was very scattered. This mentor would try to keep him focused. Hey, come here. He's over there. 
And the mentor came back and we talked about it. And he goes, I just really, I don't know what kind of difference I'm making. Am I, I just spending an hour there wasting my time? Young man left Jane Ball and he got to our middle school in fifth grade. And uh, this boy, he was rambunctious, he is undisciplined, and he is still scattered. But he went to the guidance counselor. And he's having all sorts of problems in school. And she goes, what can I do for you? You know what you can do for me? You can get me a mentor. Because my mentor when I was at Jane Ball helped me so much. That mentor thought he might be wasting his time. But he was making an impact in this young man's life. That this young man today still wants a mentor. And he knows the difference. Because the mentor was a Christian. He was one who followed Jesus. He made a difference. And this young man doesn't have that in his life. Have you thought about being a mentor for Kids Hope? Do you have an hour a week that you can go to Jane Ball and sit with rambunctious, undisciplined, scattered boys or girls and make a difference? Have you thought about serving in the kids' ministry? One hour a week, rock a baby, do something, teach a lesson. It would be great. I'm not sure if I'm biblically knowledgeable. They give you the they give you the stuff. It's easy. Hey, another thought this morning. Some of you came in and you know what they you did? You went, huh, where's my coffee? There's nobody making coffee. I, I I didn't go to Dunkin' today and I was expecting a free coffee at church and there's nobody here. What about signing up for the coffee ministry? One uh, Sunday a month. That's all. Serving. You are blessing people because some of those people coming in are going, where's my coffee? You are blessing them. You are serving. And, and you're saying, well, coffee ministry, what's the big deal? You're going to make connections. You're going to talk to people. Have you thought about leaving the comfort of my, me, and mine and serving? And I want to say this. To those of you who serve on a regular basis, thank you. You're amazing. And you can share with others who don't serve the joy that comes with serving. It is an amazing blessing. And you are being blessed. But know this, those of you who are serving on a regular basis, you are blessing so many people you will never know. And last week we heard this, the message to live is Christ. And we do that in no better way than when we serve because we are exampling Christ to others. And our motto at Cedar Lake this year is prayerful, relational, missional. So pray about serving. Get relational in serving. Get on mission in serving. I would challenge you to allow God to renew 
your mind. Get ready. Be obedient to Christ. Get set. Be your difference maker for his glory. Go. Go.